Hillary Clinton keeps moving closer to sewing up the Democratic presidential nomination, but Bernie Sanders shows no sign of throwing in the towel. In fact, the Vermont senator seems newly energized for a fight all the way to the Democratic convention in July. Along the way, he's throwing out threats about the danger to the party of ignoring the message his campaign has unleashed. In Nevada last weekend, some of his supporters were throwing chairs. Things are getting testy. Is Bernie Sanders getting a raw deal? Or is he starting to look like a sore loser? Is the combative Democratic contest a good warm-up for November? Or is the infighting only hurting the party's chances against a Republican party that has, however grudgingly, settled on a nominee? Welcome to another installment of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine, a weekly conversation on Massachusetts politics and policy. I'm Michael Jonas. Today we're taking the conversation national with a look at the presidential race, but we have two Massachusetts voices to help us do so. Dan Wolf is a Democratic state senator representing Cape Cod and the Islands, and a Bernie Sanders delegate to the Democratic National Convention. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Michael. Welcome to you. And Andrea Cabral is the former State Secretary of Public Safety and a Hillary Clinton delegate to the convention. Welcome, Andrea Cabral. Thank you, Michael. It's always good to be at Mass Inc. <laughs> good to have you both here. Uh, Dan, your candidate has been increasingly feisty on the campaign trail in recent days, and that's usually a good quality. But some say the message is crossing the line and turning the Democratic Party into the enemy instead of focusing on the Republicans. And in a statement he released following last weekend's Nevada caucuses, uh, here's what Sanders said. Uh, the Democratic Party has a choice. It can open its doors and welcome into the party people who are prepared to fight for real economic and social change, or the party can choose to maintain the status quo structure, remain dependent on big money campaign contributions, and be a party with limited participation and limited energy. So is that a positive message, or as some have said, is it is it sort of proving to be a a destructive message to Well, I to think the it's party. a Bernie Sanders message. If you put a feisty meter on Bernie Sanders over the last 30 years, I'm not sure you'd see a huge uptick now. I mean, I think what you're, what you're hearing from Bernie now is pretty consistent. Um, you know, he wasn't uh, a, a Democrat until fairly recently. He wasn't in the Democratic Party. As many and, people have pointed out, As right? many people have pointed out, and I think, you know, what you're hearing from him now is, is a reason for that. And I think he's in a position to help reframe and articulate uh, what he thinks has been missing, or maybe a reason he wasn't for decades in the Democratic Party, with the hope that uh, the party will really represent uh, in a deeper way, in a more thoughtful way, some of the people that he feels have been left behind by the party over the last 20 or 30 years. I do want to say, though, I think that the that the uh, campaign, by and large, between Clinton and Bernie Sanders has been very, very respectful. It's been issues-based. Uh, I think there is respect. I think there's always tension. As somebody who's been in primary fights before, uh, Michael. There always are moments of tension, but I think overall um, it's been a very respectful campaign. Mm -hmm. And what do you think, Andrea? Is it, is it getting a little too testy? And I mean, you're a candidate, as we all keep hearing, is all but assured of being the, the nominee. Uh, Donald Trump certainly sees it that way. He's, he's already pounding away at her. And, uh, and, and some say it's hurting her chances and the party's chances in November uh, to have this, uh, this battle kind of raging on you know, on the Democratic side. So is it, is it time for Bernie Sanders to, to pack it in and, uh, and help the party uh, start to unite behind Hillary Clinton? I think that his rhetoric has been deeply unfortunate. And, and he, you know, I understand Dan's point when he says, 
Um, you know, if you know Bernie Sanders, this has always been his tone. But the but that you know would have more credibility if he had over the twenty five plus years he had been in Congress found a way to work with his colleagues to advance his agenda. You don't find that when you look at his history in Congress. He's almost the deliberate stranger. So he, it is his MO to stand outside the system and rail against it, as opposed to finding ways to truly work with it and advance his agenda. So now he comes into the presidential race. He has this agenda. And what has been disappointing to me is that I believe it started off with a concerted effort by both to remain issues-based but as he has continued to lose, and he, and, you know, he's behind, you know, nearly at 300 delegates at this point, and more than three million votes, the the tone has changed to where it's not just the kind of competitive thing you hear on the trail. He is denouncing a party that he, I, I'm not sure he actually is a member of the Democratic Party. I'm not sure he enrolled. Um, but even if he did, that didn't happen before October of last year. And you sort of walk in with this agenda and say, it's my way or the highway, and these are all of the problems with all of you people, and you have to listen to me. And furthermore, a person who has dedicated their life in public service and has fought for many, many progressive ideals is, is, a, is a, a shill of corporate government and big money, and he has been demonizing her. And it's reflected in his supporters, and his supporters' behavior in Nevada was un acceptable. In fact, PolitiFact actually took a look at it. Their claims that the system was rigged and they were kept out and found that it was false, rated it false. That is not what happened. They didn't understand the rules. They had plenty of notice of the rules. They got there and were angry that it didn't go their way. And their behavior was just outrageous. And he didn't denounce it. He did not denounce it as strongly as he needed to denounce it if, if the tone is what's important. And I think he's becoming angry and bitter. And that troubles me because that's not leadership, and that does not augur well for leadership in the future by him. So I'm disappointed, but and, and, that's my And, point. Michael, my, my counter to that is that if you added back into the Democratic Party who the party has lost over the last 30 or 40 years because they have felt disenfranchised and ignored by the party, uh, I started off my career here in Boston actually door-knocking uh, along Blue Hill Avenue, and I will tell you, the neighborhoods I door-knocked in Mattapan and in, in Roxbury are virtually the same as they were in a state that has continuous democratic control for generations. And I guess the question I would ask is, if Bernie Sanders is not allowed in the Democratic Party to point out that a lot of the policies over the last generation of that, pol of, of that party have not led to improvement in the lives of many people that we seem to speak for, then the party is trying to mute his voice. And I also want to say, I don't think the tone is the issue. I think the policies are the issue. Mm -hmm. I think Bernie Sanders, just like all of us, can be cantankerous. He can get upset. He can get riled. But the reality is, from a policy perspective, relative to the, be the behavior and the outcomes of the Democratic Party, Bernie Sanders is articulating something that a lot of disenfranchised and still included members of the Democratic Party feel. As far as him losing... If you added back in, especially those primaries where independents were not allowed to vote in the Democratic primary, it would be a much closer race. I grant you that Hillary Clinton will probably be the next president of the United States, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But I hope the Democratic Party takeaway from this campaign is that we are a party that represents poor and working class people, and that there are public policy outcomes over the last 30 years that have not been consistent with those desired results. And we need to pay attention to that everything from criminal justice reform to tax policy 
the investments in infrastructure and education and really get back to what our job is. Then pay attention to that, right? As opposed to what is actually happening. Now, if Bernie Sanders' message was resonating with all of those people that you said would be left out, he would be doing much better with blacks, Latinos, and poor people. When he lost states that represent the Democratic Party, when Democrats turned out and voted for Hillary Clinton, what he said was, poor people don't vote. Or, black votes in the South, South is a conservative place to be, which I'm sure came as a huge surprise to disenfranchised blacks, uh, people who've been disenfranchised for centuries in the South. And, and I think what people are reacting to is Bernie. You can't say that the rhetoric doesn't matter when people are rejecting the rhetorician, right? If the ideas are what counts and people are still not voting for him, the rhetoric does matter and the tone does matter and people aren't buying what he's selling. And you cannot complain that independents aren't allowed to vote in Democratic primaries that are closed primaries if those are the rules. And if you're Bernie Sanders and you've been in Congress for over 25 years, you work to change the... Bernie Sanders has, Sanders has been a superdelegate over and over again. Bernie Sanders could have worked to change those rules before the Nevada Convention when a bunch of people who didn't understand them showed up and got rowdy. But he hasn't done that work. And I think that that's a huge problem. I think that's a huge selling point for people who have been in the Democratic Party doing the work, that Bernie Sanders is sort of coming in, and it's so easy to be a critic, it's so easy to rail against these things. If, you, if he was able to say, these are the problems that I have seen, and here is how I have advanced that agenda substantially over the years that I have been in Congress, I think that that would make a huge difference with people. But I think what they are, what they are hearing from him, and it resonates with some, I agree with that, I don't disagree with your point about you know uh, wanting the the party to be uh, more inclusive and bringing more people in, but then it doesn't make sense to me that he is continuing. In fact, there's an article in the Globe today, and there's an article in Newsweek, and there's actually a growing chorus of them. But you know about Sanders determined to do damage to Clinton, where he would be so much more effective if he were not focused on her. And I think his focus on her it has become well, unfortunately personal. Can I just say one more thing? Sure, of course. When you say independents can't vote and he would have won, if Democrats picked their delegates the way Republicans did and their states were winner take all, he would have been out of this race six months ago. So, you know, to complain that independents can't vote in primaries that are closed by virtue of the rules, but not to have done anything to change those rules and then call it a rigged system every time you lose, again, is not leadership. So let me just really differentiate my position. I am actually not saying that the rules are the problem. I, I am saying, ask about that. I, I, am, the, I am saying the Democratic the Party over the last generation has been the problem. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, if the party had actually been advocating for and instituting public policy consistent with poor and working class people and their agenda, that the makeup of the party would look different now. I also want to make the point that a year and a half to two years ago, most of the people in the South, minorities in southern states, had never heard of Bernie Sanders. He is running against a candidate who was in the White House for eight years while her husband was president, was a, was a senator from one of the largest states in the country that has a large minority population, and was the Secretary of State, a huge national profile. The fact that his message has taken time to resonate in those communities where people had literally never heard of him, what he is doing after a year in this race is remarkable. It's remarkable in minority neighborhoods. It's remarkable. Uh, among women and people who feel that they have been disenfranchised. So, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm not an apologist for how he's doing in this. 
I also, again, I, I want to I be an advocate for the party remaining united and keeping our eyes focused on a Donald Trump presidency that would be a nightmare for this country. I don't think there's any question. Bernie Sanders has been compared with the next Ralph Nader. He's not going to run as a third party candidate. He's made that very clear. That was, you know, that was the Nader issue, although I, I don't think Nader is the reason Al Gore lost. I think Al Gore is the reason Al Gore lost. Right. But I, I think what's going on now is a little bit of media hype. Commonwealth Magazine accepted. I don't think you guys are jumping into that. Never. But I think the media, now that Trump has been, you know, it is clear that Trump is going to be the Republican candidate, the media needs a story. And the story here is now going to be the fracture in the Democratic Party. And I don't, I think that's a myth. But there is no, there's no question that there's some, uh, you know, some crying about the rules, complaining about the process, sort of that it's been rigged, which, which does kind of, uh, you know, seem to sort of, you know, foment this, this idea of a, of a real civil war breaking out. I mean, there's been talk about, you know, will things get, you know, I mean, the, the irony here, right, is that everybody said that there was going to be kind of, a, you know, riots in Cleveland at the Republican convention. And now sort of whether, you know, reluctantly or not, they seem to have settled on a nominee. And the talk is that, you know, who knows what's going to happen in Philadelphia when the Democrats gather. And, and, and I take your point, Dan, but the, but it seems clear there's a there's a segment of the Sanders uh, could, could we just contingent that is that Michael, is. Michael, let's circle in on the word rigged because I think yeah. that, that's the problem. There, I don't think anybody would argue that the way the process is set up is to favor establishment polit politicians. Right. That's the way it's set up with superdelegates and, and the whole business. But you right? could argue, you could argue that that's actually legitimate. There, there's a reason that establishment uh, that the that the rules are set up to favor establishment politics. It's to stop outsiders from taking control of the party in, in kind of nefarious ways. Right. So you know, I'm not one of these Democrats who says, "Oh, it's rigged," and you know, he was screwed from the outset. I am somebody who says we have a system where where non-establishment politicians should have to work harder to break through. Right. I just think it's amazing how close Bernie Sanders has come to breaking through that veneer. But I think there there are definitely reasons for that. And while I look, I agree that Dan's position on this is um, a more nuanced and, in my view, um, and I mean this in a complimentary way, an admirable position in this. That your approach to it, your your thoughtfulness around that. Um, I'm not sure that when you look at, so, in fact, I'm positive that when you look at social media and you look at the supporters and what the supporters are saying, they're not getting what you're talking about. So we have the they kinder, are, the the kinder gentler Sanders right. uh, delegate here. Well, mature, I would say mature. Someone yeah. who understands, has been in politics and understands how these things work versus if you, when you do dog whistle politics, you get on the left what you get on the right that's with right. Trump. I, I and I think that's that. a huge, huge problem here. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing. You know, people talk about, uh, there's two things I want to say about uh, Dan's, uh, what Dan mentioned a minute ago. When he said things about Hillary Clinton being well known. The, the Hillary Clinton that blacks in the South know is the Hillary Clinton that started off graduating from Yale Law School and going to work for the Children's Defense Fund right. and working for Marion Wright Edelman and working against segregation and the incarceration of young black boys in adult prisons. That's the history they know. They have a personal history with her. Mm -hmm. So name recognition absolutely accounts for some of that. But by the same token, Bernie, just the fact that the fact that Bernie Sanders is from Vermont in a state that has fewer than, I think, 3% people of color doesn't mean that those aren't the things he could not have been fighting for vocally and publicly while he was in Congress. And no, then but people would, But then people would know, right? We can't fight publicly because we agree on everything. But I, I do have to defend his record in Congress. He has been an advocate for poor and working people. 
But, you know, the guy is an ethnic Jew from Brooklyn who moved to Vermont and has called himself a socialist for the last 30 years. You have to admit that the fact that he is doing as well as he is means something and should be a message to the I, Democratic I, Party. I absolutely do not disagree with that, although I do think that there is a... There is an anger in this country that when you ask people who say that they're angry what it is they're angry about, they find it hard to articulate. Right. It's just that they've been told year after year after year to be angry and to be specifically angry at certain people. So now what you have is Hillary Clinton, who for 30 years has been the target of, you know, they call him Nothing Burger. Nothing Burger investigation and accusation after Nothing Burger investigation and accusation. And part of the reason why Bernie does as well as he does is that they have intentionally not vetted him. Mm-hmm. You, you have to admit, Dan, it may, there's this a guy who, that no one has really delved into and delved into his background and really vetted his votes. He hasn't been vetted. There couldn't be anybody vetted anywhere near as, as given as much scrutiny as Hillary Clinton. But that has been sort of a conscious effort on the media's part. And what you see now is Republicans being able to read the tea leaves and saying, look, as painful as it might be for some of us, if we coalesce and calm down around Donald Trump, we won't have this contested convention. And if Bernie keeps doing what Bernie's doing, there will be problems in Philadelphia. And then they'll focus on the Democrats while we're trying to turn Donald Trump into some uh, somewhat ex- more acceptable candidate. So That's the thing that concerns you, me. You and I are going to be in Philadelphia, and we are going to be the model and example of peace and that, harmony. Exactly. Um, that, that, I think that's exactly again, true. As far no, as the no, vet- no chair throwing is going to happen. Oh, absolutely or- not. <coughs> we, absolutely we may not. toss. <laughs> because if, if she doesn't have a chair, I might want to lend her mine. Uh-huh. I, I will say that I, I will say though they are both exemplary examples of public servants. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. I think when you vet Bernie, you're going to see a person who is passionately committed to social and economic justice, racial justice, gender justice. You're going to see that. You're going to see the same thing in Hillary Clinton. But you know when Bernie looks at this and he says tell the truth, with I, which I think is a little pejorative because this isn't about telling it the truth. But I'm a data-driven person. And when I look back, I grew up in the city of Philadelphia, so I'm, it's going to be a journey home for me. I look at North Philadelphia. I look at West Philadelphia. I look at the neighborhood I grew up in in Germantown. It is virtually the same as it was in the 60s and 70s when I grew up there without regard to the fact that we have had 20 years of Democratic administrations in Washington and 20 years of Republican, without the fact that we have had opportunities to really lift people up and create a society that allows people access to education and access to to economic justice and equality. I think the biggest issue in this campaign is that, whether it is playing out as a race issue, and we know what, you know, we, we know what the statistics show us about minorities in this country, or a gender issue. We know we still have only got to 79 cents on a dollar, 82 cents in Massachusetts. Wow. So, you know, I the reason I'm a Bernie supporter is not because we don't stand together as far as what we want to see this country be for the people who have been left out. It's just that I don't think the traditional establishment Democratic Party has delivered that. And, you know, Michael, I am sort of an outsider. I'm not an establishment politician. And so I sort of resonate with Bernie because I, I know what it feels like to be in a party that, that keeps saying it's doing something, but the outcomes aren't there. I call it cognitive dissonance. We are creating cognitive dissonance. And do you think that that his role here has, has had an effect? Do you think it's, I mean, it's certainly rhetorically, I mean, everybody keeps commenting that Hillary Clinton has, you know, been taking up a lot of his themes. And that's you know, not unusual in primaries uh, for that to happen. But do you think, you know, is it going to matter 
So substantively, or is she sort of paying lip service one to of the, it? One of the discussions in my five and a half years here has really been to leadership, that we have to stop talking to each other inside the building and really build bridges to the people outside. That has, has how democracy should work, because the people working on the street should have as much say in a democracy as the people working in that building or in the CEO offices. So my hope is that the Bernie Sanders campaign will, will really build bridges uh, between the Democratic Party, its establishment, and working people who have not been helped as much as they need to be helped by establishment politics over the last 30 years. That's the outcome I'm looking for, is that we really re-energize and build our democracy from the neighborhoods and from the workplaces out and up into the party establishment. And I think Bernie is helping do that. Um, he is a poster child for that. He is not going to be the next president of the United States, probably, unless something really bizarre happens. But I think his continual voice and, and finger on the scale, if you will, is helping move us in a better direction. Well, that's the very reason that I support Hillary Clinton. All of the, all of the things that Dan just said, and, and why I push back so strongly against Bernie repeatedly casting her as an establishment politician, all of her work gives you, gives you clear evidence that it's anything but. The she launched her campaign, I think it was in April uh, of 2015. One of the first things she did was she sat down with the members of Black Lives Matter. The first policy she rolled out, I think even before she sat with them, was her criminal justice reform policy. And if people will go and they will read it, they will find that it is easily one of the most comprehensive, thoughtful things, along with her economic policies and her foreign policy policies, comprehensive and thoughtful things you'll ever see from a presidential candidate. She was she stopped campaigning in New Hampshire to go to Flint. She didn't need to do that and no one else went to Flint for a very long time after that. She didn't just go to Flint and pay lip service. She went to Flint with staff and she left the staff there to make sure that they were asking all of the right questions, finding out exactly what the people and the children of Flint needed with regard to this water crisis, and to report back to her so that she could actively advocate and fight for that in Washington. You know, I'm listening very closely to, to, to what uh, the Secretary is saying. She does have a great platform on a lot of these issues. There is a lot of lessons learned. I think it's unfair, for example, to look at policies 30 years ago and say, look at the outcome, and then criticize the people who made the decisions 30 years ago. This is evolutionary. We should, be, we should be governing on lessons learned. And the lessons learned from the last 30 years in the Democratic Party should be that the compromise that we talk about, the golf games that Tip O'Neill and, and, and Ronald Reagan played, right. actually didn't work for us. Mm -hmm. and, and be really honest about that. I think she is capable of doing that. I do believe. I mean, some people might call me naive that she will take from those lessons learned uh, things like the criminal justice reform, things like the welfare reform, and not say they were a, a, a success, but understand in some ways they were a success, but in the ways that they weren't, we need to correct, and we need to fix, and we need to move forward together. I do believe she has the intellect and capacity to do that. By the same token, it's not mutually exclusive to say, I also believe that Bernie Sanders is a healthy thing for the Democratic Party. I'm glad he's there. I think this campaign over the last year would have looked a lot different if Bernie Sanders had not been there. I agree. I agree and, completely. And so from that perspective, I, I think it's been really healthy. I hate at this point to see the party fractured. I'm not, I'm, I am not going to allow that to happen to me. What I want to stay focused on is where we come out the other end. We're going to have a tremendous opportunity. You have leaders in the party that are progressives, as I think I am. 
like Elizabeth Warren, like Bernie Sanders will continue to be, that I think is a growing voice in the party that really wants to reach out and listen to and hear and respond to those people who have not been part of the so-called recovery. This recovery has not been kind. It has been not a recovery for 95% of the people out there. So what we need as a party to say is, let's start really telling the truth to people. You know, 1%, the 1% we always talk about, have received 95% of this recovery since 2009. The top 5% have received all of it, which means 95% of the population is as bad off as they were when the Great Recession hit six years ago. We need to respond to that. We need to stop you know, telling people, gee, isn't this recovery great? Look at the unemployment rate. For most people, it hasn't been great. I think she can be a really great president, but I think part of her being a great president is to have someone out there on the other end of the spectrum saying, remember, remember, remember. And I hope he keeps doing that. And, and I hope the campaign rancor uh, fades into the distance as time goes forward. Well, we will follow it. And on, on that positive note, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, but I want to thank you both, Andrea Cabral, Dan Wolf, for being here. A civil conversation uh, within the Democratic Party. Uh, thanks. We're going we to take that to Philly. We, we are. Take we, that to Philly. we know nothing else than to be civil in this That's party. That's right. Great. And uh, thank you all for listening to another edition of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. Subscribe to the Codcast via iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening.